Father, I thank you for the empty tomb. I thank you that your plan all along was designed to have Jesus go to the cross, die, be buried, and raised from the dead. I thank you, Father, that this morning is the body of Christ. Wherever we're at, we can gather, even in families, <clears throat> or maybe we're as just by ourselves. But we know that we have a hope for an incredible future because the tomb is empty. Thank you, Father God, for this time this morning. I ask, Father God, that you would transform our lives, that your word would go forth, and that the words that I have prepared would be empowered by you, more of you, and less of me. In Christ's name, amen. Just last week, we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the greatest event in human history. Because of the resurrection, there is hope. And we are living in, in difficult times with many uncertainties. And, and Matthew 24 teaches us in particular that there are more difficult times ahead. And those times are going to increase as we come closer and closer to the second coming of Christ, to His return. <clears throat> we can expect to see more and more of the world systems and cultures deteriorate as time goes on. But God has a plan. And those who believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus have a hope. There is hope. Biblical hope can take us through even the worst trials and tribulations, hurts, and problems. Hope is, hope is one of the three basics that people need. Those three basics are love, faith, and hope. People need to be loved, loved unconditionally by someone who knows them deeply and, and still loves them, even knowing their imperfections and failings. Each of us needs to be loved simply because we exist and have value that's been given to us by God. God created each one of us, and it is from Him that each human has value. People need someone that they can trust. Someone who cares deeply for each person's well-being. Each of us needs someone who is great, powerful, generous, and able to give us security during the worst of times, the difficult times of life. Each of us needs to have someone that we can run to, that we can trust. We need someone that we can go to when nothing seems possible. Someone we can have faith in. Every person needs also to have hope. Hope to, to function in a, in a complicated, ever-changing world filled with problems, turmoils, and darkness. People need hope for the future and hope for their lives. We, we need to have that hope because we want to know that we have a purpose for being. We need hope that our lives mean something, that there's something great and exciting in the future. It's a basic need that each of us need, hope. We need all three, love, faith, and hope. These three fundamentals are, are key to Christianity. 
They are available to every person through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Love, faith, and hope are foundational to Christianity. The Bible speaks very often of these three. And Paul in particular writes often of the three together. One of those unique places is in 1 Corinthians 13. First, uh, in uh, 13, beginning in verse 1. That's not correct. I believe it's verse 13. But you'll know where I'm at. But now faith, hope, love, abide these three. But the greatest of these is love. Faith and hope are encompassed by love, which believes all things and hopes all things. In that verse, we get to see the beginnings of, of something that we need to have in our minds. In heaven, there will not be a need for faith or hope. There won't be faith and hope in heaven because every truth will be known and everything good will be possessed. This is why love is the greatest of these three because love will be there for all of eternity. As we've been dealing with this coronavirus and we've heard in numerous places the need for hope. And I want to focus on that one area this morning, the area of hope. And the reason is that in our usual, normal way of speaking and using the term hope, there, there's three ways that our minds process it. One is the desire we have for some future good. We say, I hope I get a new sander for my wood shop for Christmas. I'm already thinking ahead. Or we might say, I hope the whole family can get together in June. That would be awesome. This way of thinking about hope is, is our desire for something good in the future. But this way of using it is more like wishful thinking. The second way that we use hope is the good thing that we desire in the future. It's actually the, the thing, the object of our hope. We say, I hope my son will return home safe. And I really do. I hope Sam comes back soon and safe. We might also say, I, I hope your medical test is good. This kind of hope is the object. It's the object of our hope. The object of my hope for my son, Sam, is for him to return safely. The object of our hope might be our medical test being good. This is the thing in the future that we desire. The object of our hope is a, is, is a very common way that we use hope. But that's still not the biblical way. There's a third way that we typically use the word hope. And that's the reason for a good future. Something to come to pass. We might say our only hope is to get to Casper on a winter's day. My wife commutes to, to work in Casper, and many times we, we've thought this. I hope she can get to Casper. And we might say it this way. Our only hope, or her only hope of getting there, is if the ice melts on I-25. The ice melting is the reason for our hope. 
Those are the three common ways that we use the word hope, but that's not the biblical way of hope. It's not what Scripture portrays as hope. There's a big difference. The biggest difference is that our normal usage of hope is based on uncertainty. We have a desire. We have a, a wish. But we don't have certainty. We don't know for certain. I desire for my family to get together in June, but I have no certainty of, of that happening. I desire for my son Sam to come home safely, but I have no way of, of knowing what the future is. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I desire for my wife to be able to go to Casper on a winter day, but I have no, I, I, we have no way of knowing whether the ice is going to melt on I-25. So when we use hope in the normal way, we are expressing uncertainty. We aren't certain. Biblical hope goes way beyond desire for something in the future. Biblical hope, biblical hope is, is certain. There's a certain expectation of something good in the future. Biblical hope is the confident expectation something good will happen in the future. This is why certain places in Scripture are so powerful for us in our spiritual life. One of those places that's meaningful for me, I go here often, is, is Psalms 43, verse 5. The psalmist is in a dark place, but listen to what he says. Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why are you disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, the help of my countenance and my God. You see, for the psalmist and for us, if we're going to work in biblical hope, we need to understand that biblical hope is more than a desire, and it's considerably more than just wishful thinking. When the Bible tells us to hope in God, it doesn't mean crossing our fingers or doing some kind of strange thing. Hoping that something will happen. Biblical hope, our hope in God, is unchanging. It's based on the unchanging nature of God because God is perfect, eternal, greater than all of creation, loving, merciful, powerful, and all-knowing. Biblical hope then is certain. It's certainty about the future. Turn with me, if you will, to Hebrews chapter 6, verse 9. We'll begin to see some of this. <coughs> Excuse me. Just before this verse in Hebrews, the author warns us that there are, there are possibilities of a of, of person who's had some kind of religious experience fully rejecting God and possibly falling away. And then he goes to this, this place, and it, it's so neat. He says this, beginning in verse 9, But beloved, we are convinced of better things concerning you and things that accompany salvation though we are speaking in this way for God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown toward his name in having ministered and in still ministering to the saints 
And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you will not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. The better things we are convinced of is continuing to serve God. The, the people that the author was writing to were continuing in their faith. They were persevering. Then in verse 11, the exhortation is to continue to persevere, but the struggle to persevere is linked to hope. He says, show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope. Full assurance, what that really means there is, it's overflowing. You can't contain it. That kind of hope. Keep your hope in God, in God's promise to the, of, of the future. Persevere in verse 11 and full assurance of hope. Those, those terms and, and what this verse expresses to us is, is confidence and, and a certain reliability that the future is true, that what God has said will come to pass. This is the contrast between our normal kind of use of hope. This is not the kind of hope that we have at the ballgame. I had to get a baseball story in. We've all been there if you've been around baseball for very long. It's the ninth inning. Your team is ahead by one point, one more out, and your team wins the ball game. However, bases are loaded, and, and the best, best batter in baseball is at the plate. He has two strikes against him. Your pitcher's tired. He throws the pitch. He gets it up in the zone, and crack! There's a really hard hit fly ball. It's in center field, and there's our hope. Will the center fielder catch it, or will it leave the yard? Will we win the game, or will we lose? It's down to that one issue, but there's no certainty. We have no certainty that the ball will travel far enough to leave the yard. We don't have any certainty that that, that center fielder is going to be fast enough and skilled athletically enough to reach up and grab the baseball. We don't know. There's no certainty, but we hope we win the game. That's not biblical hope. Biblical hope is certain of things to come. Biblical hope knows what the future will be. And that biblical hope is also connected to faith. We saw that in the verse in Hebrews. Pursuit of assurance of hope in verse 11 causes you to be like those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. If you're a believer, you inherit the promise. There's no options. You can hope in the things of God because they're real. They're settled. I want us to look at another place where hope and faith are connected. It's also in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 22. Let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Faith and hope, they're tied together. 
First, in this passage, we're told to draw near with full assurance of faith. And then it tells us not to waver in our hope. Faith and hope are connected. They are rooted in the, in the perfect nature of God. Both faith and hope rest upon the bedrock of God's faithfulness. There is a, another relationship here. Faith and hope are, are interesting. The way they, they are related. Faith can be directed both to the past and to the future. I have faith. Believers say this all the time. I have faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So what we're saying is I have faith in the past event, what we just celebrated last week. I have faith in the past event that Jesus went to the cross, that he died, that he rose from the dead. My hope is in the future, that he will come back to me, that he will come and get me, that he will return and take me home to heaven. That's also faith. If we look further in, in, in Hebrews, we can see this at the beginning of the faith chapter, Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. When there is assurance of things hoped for, there is faith. Biblical hope is certain of good things in the future, and biblical faith is certain of things in the past. Both. It's important for us to understand and to grasp the truth of biblical hope. Most Christians are aware of faith being, we might say, a strong confidence. We also know that doubt is an enemy to each believer that we have to face and battle against every day. Having a biblical understanding of hope as being linked to faith and being certain of good future times helps us deal with difficult times today. Hope in our current trouble is not just wishful thinking. It's not, we're not just going, well, I really hope, and, you know, I really hope things get better. I wish things would get better. Now, we do that, and there isn't anything wrong with that. But biblical faith, thing, faith says things will get better because Jesus is coming back, because Jesus remains the same today as he was yesterday. God hasn't changed. God still has a plan, and his plan will not fail. It's very important for us to understand biblical faith this way. Because the Bible shows hope as an essential part of faith. We all know as believers, we hear it all the time, that we are saved by grace through faith. And when we understand biblical hope, we should view hope in the same way. I believe Hebrews 11, 1, makes that clear. Hope and faith go together. Faith in God that is looking to the future things, we can call those hope. Hope that also rests upon Scripture, we can call faith. They, they go together. There's an interesting place in Romans. Paul says this, Romans 15, 4. For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction. <clears throat> 
so that through perseverance and the encouragement of Scripture, we might have hope. Now, one might think he would write that about the Old Testament saints and the stories of the Bible, that we might have faith. But the biblical concept of hope hope and faith, they go together in such a way, he's meaning the same thing. And in that verse, the things written in earlier times, that, when he wrote that, when Paul wrote that, that's the Old Testament. And what we would discover in the Old Testament is, is that the stories of God's people were hoping for God to do something good in the future. Over and over, you see the characters, the great characters of the Bible, hoping for something in the future. Their faith was for something good in the future. Their hope was that God would, would do something wonderful in the future. They had hope. And their stories fuel our hope and fuel our faith. Hebrews 11, that whole chapter is filled with that. Later on in Romans 15, Paul links again faith and hope. And this time he links it to Scripture, 15:12. Again, Isaiah, so he's quoting Isaiah. There shall come the root of Jesse, and he who arises to rule over the Gentiles. In him shall the Gentiles hope. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. There's the faith. So that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hope and faith go together. Isaiah's prophecy is about the coming Messiah, the one who would, who would save all of humanity. In verse 13, joy and peace are in believing, in faith. And the result of faith is hope. Hope and faith both rest upon the bedrock of God's faithfulness and they rest upon Scripture. Let's go back to another place in, in Romans. Romans chapter 5. And, and this, is, this is one of the places where I really like the, the ESV, how, how the ESV reads this, this passage. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Even when we're suffering, even when there's trials, even when we don't know what's going on, we have hope because our hope rests upon the faithfulness of God. There are some that lose their hope in trials. When life no longer is as comfortable as it once was. When we encounter difficulties that we don't understand, it's, it's sometimes easy to, to lose that hope. But God's intention for difficult times is for believers to grow in their hope, to increase in their hope, to increase in their faith because of perseverance and the character that goes along with that perseverance. The reality is, the condition of being hopeless is really trusting in anything other than God. 
If you find yourself struggling with, with whether you have hope that we're going to see it through a, 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 trouble, a troubled time, a, dis, a discouraging time, a dark time in your life, it doesn't matter what it is. If you're not in hope, then really what you're doing is you're trusting in something other than God. God's intention is for believers to have a hope that's increasing because we persevere through the trials. The condition of hopelessness is one of not trusting God. Biblical hope understands God has not finished His plan. God's not done yet. We have faith in the past, in the past work of Jesus, and we have future hope because we're looking forward to what He is doing in what God will do. True believers don't lose hope because we know God is not done. He's not finished. There's more coming. In our everyday lives, God knows the situation that you are in better than you do because He knows the future. And God is working to bring about His plan. He will not fail. If you are a believer this morning, you are part of His plan. And God's plan cannot fail. It, it can't fail. It's God's plan. So even in the middle of the darkest stuff you might be experiencing, God is right there if you're a believer. So to the believers this morning, I, I, I say, I exhort you, brothers and sisters, hope in God. Be confident in God's plan. Be confident that the future is going to be super amazing, good, and glorious. It will not fail. God is good. God is not done. Something good is in your future. And if you're if you're tuned into this this morning in whatever way and you don't know Jesus, you need this hope. You need the love, the hope, and the faith of Christianity. Accept Jesus. Believe that He died, that He rose from the dead. Wherever you're at, tell Him you do believe that. Tell Him you love Him. Tell Him that you want to be His. And you can have hope for the future. Something good is coming. I have God's word on it. It cannot fail. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you that in you we have a future that is marvelous and glorious. I thank you, Father God, that in you and in the truth of who you are, your nature... We have hope, that our hope is a certainty based on who you are, not on our circumstances. Father, stir us up by your Holy Spirit. For the believers, Father, this morning, let the Holy Spirit stir them up to a greater and deeper hope that in their hurts and in their suffering, they would persevere always with this glorious understanding that our hope in future goodness will come to pass. Holy Spirit, 
Draw those who do not know your son into the kingdom. Draw them into this place where they can experience a hope that is incredible. Draw them in, Father God, so they can experience the love of the creator of the universe. Draw them in so that they will have faith and hope working together in their lives. And I ask, Father God, for all of us, that we would go about our business no matter what the circumstances, that we would go out about our business knowing with certainty that you are not finished with your plan and that the future is filled with glory and goodness because it's you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father God, for what you've done and what you're about to do and what you will do in the future. In Christ's name, amen.